brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This episode of Word Balloon is brought to you by AlexRossArt.com. Alex is a brand new graphic novel coming out from Marvel and Abrams Books. Fantastic Four, full circle. It comes out September 6th. It's a rainy night in Manhattan and not a creature is stirring except for the thing, Ben Grimm. When an intruder suddenly appears inside the Baxter building, the Fantastic Four find themselves surrounded by a swarm of invading parasites. These carrion creatures, composed of negative energy, come to Earth using a human host as a delivery system. But for what purpose? And who is behind this untimely invasion? The Fantastic Four have no choice but to journey to the negative zone, an alien universe comprised entirely of antimatter, risking not just their own lives, but the fate of the cosmos. Fantastic Four Full Circle is the first long-form work written and illustrated by acclaimed artist Alex Ross, who revisits a classic Lee Kirby story from the 60s and introduces the storyline for a new generation of readers. Bold, vivid colors, his trademark visual storytelling, Ross takes Marvel's first team of superheroes to places only he can illustrate. The book also features a special poster jacket with the front flap unfolding to reveal an all-new fully painted origin story of the Fantastic Four. Again, Fantastic Four, full circle, out September 6th. For more details, go to alexrossart.com. Welcome back, everybody. It's time again for Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here. Man, I'm always happy to talk to J.M. Mark DiMatteis. It's great to see you, Mark. Congratulations. Good to see you, too, John. It's been a while. Yeah, man, I'm 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 sorry it's been so long. I meant to talk to you earlier this year. Yeah, I'm certainly... holding you responsible. In fact, I'm not going to talk to you, so we're done. All right, I'll just uh, I'll just show the flashcards of uh, <laughs> some of the stuff you got coming up. But I do, and and you know, I, everybody, I'm sure you have Ben Riley questions. I'm sure you have uh, other you know classic uh, Mark storylines that you'd like to talk about. But I really do want Mark to talk about the new initiative that he's got coming up very shortly from Spellbound Comics, and also with a Kickstarter campaign. It's time for the Demultiverse. Very exciting, man. Yeah, it's great. It's great. I think, I, honestly, you know, John, as you know, I've been doing this a really, really, really long time. Too many years. I don't even want to say how many. Um, this is one of the most exciting things I've ever been involved in. You know, I, I, 
You know, since the beginning, I've always sort of divided my career into doing stuff, Marvel and DC stuff, and doing my creator-owned stuff, really starting with Moonshadow mm. back in the 80s. And I, I always, it helps keep me balanced. It helps keep me sane to be able to go off and just create my own stuff. Um, so I'm always looking for new venues. And Kickstarter was always fascinating to me. But there was one thing that always held me back from from doing a Kickstarter, which was basically this looks like a lot of work and I don't want to do it. <laughs> you know, it's like so much work. And long story short, uh, at one of my writing workshops a while back, I met a guy named David Baldy, who's a TV writer and producer of, of many years. And we became friends. And one day we were talking and he said, hey, I'd love to do a Kickstarter. I'd r- I'll run the Kickstarter for you. And I was like, wow. really? Oh, I mean, wow. like I can focus on creative stuff. And you'll handle all the stuff that I don't want to go near. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, lo- and longer, even longer story, even shorter. I, I had a bunch of ideas because, you know, we always have a bunch of ideas. And some of these are ideas that I've been developing in some way, shape, or form for 10, 12, 15 years. One of them, I think, is up more like closer to 20 years. Because as, as many freelancers know, what happens a lot is you get an idea, you get very excited, you write it up, you develop it, you pitch it, and it doesn't go. And I've had this happen with so many projects. And then you put it away for a few years, you redo it, you take it out, doesn't go, you put it away. And eventually, I've had things you know, that have been published that have taken 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. So I've learned to nurse ideas along. And you go back and you revisit them and you revamp them and you deepen them and you expand them. You know. And during the pandemic, I was working on a couple of these and developing them and writing scripts. Um, so I pitched David like four different things. And he had this great idea. He said, well, let's do all four of them. So the idea that we cooked up, or really this, this idea came from him, was like, let's do four number ones, like four, four, four pilots. Uh, each one's in a different genre. Each one's a different tone. Each one's a different style. I'm working with four artists that I love. And, and so they will be available as individual issues. They'll be available in a nice collected edition with all kinds of extras. I'm going to write essays. Tom DeFalco is writing an introduction. There's going to be all kinds of art. So uh, it's and 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 through this, we put together this this imprint, the Spellbound thing, which is going to you know, which is the imprint that's going to carry these. And you'll be able to get the books supported through Kickstarter, or if you want to buy them directly through Spellbound, you'll be able to do that. And once the Kickstarter is over, the books will still be out there at, at Spellbound for you to buy. And so I'm just kind of over the moon to finally get these ideas out into the world. And, and I'm working with Matthew Dow Smith, David Baldion, uh, Sean McManus, and Tom Mandrake. I mean, you know, it doesn't get much better than that. That's it's, great, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm fans of all, of all of them. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to talking individually. And, in fact, even as you were talking right there, I was grabbing uh, – the 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 covers or or whatever splash pages you've put out on all four of these things. So it's right. we've been we've been slowly slowly kind of letting out little bits and pieces the past couple of weeks. And um, you know the great thing about this also is we've been working on this for a while. So I know a lot of Kickstarters people are giving their money and the work doesn't show up for like fifteen or twenty years. Well, <laughs> yeah, books no, you're right about it. Sometimes it is that long. It's that's not an exaggeration. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I was exaggerating to make a point, but now maybe I wasn't exaggerating. But I all these so. books, by the time this Kickstarter is done, all these books will be done. You oh, know, that's we'll great, have man. some. We'll have some be- the bells and whistles for the collection and things to put together. But basically, you know. They're all in stages of completion, even as we speak. So um, it's just it's just really exciting. 
really where do you want to start which which of the four would you like to start with uh any man or uh, uh let's start with the... let's start with layla because sean McCann, layla, you got I, it sean and i have been talking about this one for a long long time uh okay. and and it's kind of for those that know my work that maybe know abadazad or the stardust yes. kid those projects i did with mike plug yep. it's an all-ages fantasy the, it's it takes place uh in it begins in 1995 it's 13 year old girl uh long story short gets gets swept away to what we think is this magical oz like land another you know wonderland fairyland but it turns out no that's not the case actually this is the afterlife these are the lands of after and she's just been hit by a car and she's dead oh wow yeah nice. so so Here's um, a feel good story right. well well it actually is <laughs> <laughs> and so no, you know I'm the great, the great thing is, you know, but but you know, this kid is like, I'm sorry, I don't accept this. I refuse to be dead. So that begins the adventure and and her journey to try to get back to the land of the living. And she there she meets some souls of people that she knows from her life. She meets some new characters, and it becomes a whole journey through these infinite lands because basically the afterlife is created by the imaginations of the people that have died. So they're infinite. There's infinite heavens, basically. That's kind of like that Robin Williams movie, right? What dreams may come. Right, has a little bit of that. Yeah, because that, well, that's an idea that you know you go into a lot of you know mystical traditions, and you'll find that idea there. Um, and I think it's a beautiful idea that essentially we you know hell doesn't exist unless we choose to create it. Heaven does. Same thing, frankly, with being alive. You know, most sure. of the hell, a lot of the hells we live through are hells of our own creation, and we can create man. heaven if we wake up in the right mood tomorrow. You know. Um, so and Not Sean. You know, Sean is right up there with like Plug as someone. There, I, there are very, very few people I think on the planet that can do it better than Sean. No, in fact, I wouldn't say. I'd say nobody can do it better than Sean. There might be a few people who can do it as well, but he's just when it comes to creating fantasy worlds, um, he's incredible. He's just incredible. Um, and so, like I said, Sean and I worked together on Doctor Fate years ago for DC. It's one of my favorite, favorite gigs I ever had. One of and so we've done a few little things together since that over the years, but this is the first chance to get back together and do something of substance. So that's the first one. Second one, is, let's, which one shall I pick next? Let's go with Wisdom. Uh, wisdom, wisdom, very nice. So you'll appreciate this, John. Or am uh, I right this, on this one? Is no, that's, you're wrong. That's God's uh, sake. Wisdom by. is the Western. There we go. There we go. There Here's we go. the Western. So I know, you're, I know you're an efficient. Yeah, I know you're an aficionado of like old TV and all that. So when I was oh, a kid, when I was a kid growing up, there was a point when probably when I was six or seven, when I'd say half the half the shows on television were westerns. I have pictures of myself four years old, you know, in a cowboy outfit with my six guns and a cowboy hat, riding my Absolutely. hobby horse. You know, it is amazing. Yeah, it is truly amazing the amount of westerns because really, uh, thirty. Like a week? I mean, then that's not. Yeah, it was insane. I mean, could you imagine? You know, we think you know, there's like they think there's a lot of Law and Order shows or whatever. They're compared to what they had on TV. Then it's nothing. Half the shows, at least. So anyway, so you know, every kid growing up in that era was a Western fan. Sure. Um, but you know, as I got older, I, I, I lost, I lost that that Western kick. And then what happened? You'll appreciate this too, because I know you're into old radio. I discovered uh, Gunsmoke, the radio show. And suddenly it kind of tickled that part of my brain that had that love of Westerns. Anyway, long story short, I wake up one day, like 12, 12 years ago, and what happens with me with stories is I start to see movies in my head. So I'm laying in bed in the morning with my eyes closed. I go, oh, here's an interesting movie. Hmm, 
It's a Western. Oh, really? Oh, it's a supernatural Western. Oh, and I, you know, then you run to the computer to get all this stuff down. And I have been, I have been developing this idea since then. And it's sort of like the one liner we came up with is, is Deadwood meets Lord of the Rings or, or Gunsmoke meets John Ford's The Searchers. You know, it's, it's, cool. it's, it's pretty epic. It's pretty epic. And I'm really, well, I'm really excited about all this. Now, Tom Mandrake, I, I've, I have loved his work for years since I first saw him working on the Spectre with Ostrander years ago, you know? And I think maybe he did a few issues of Scooby Apocalypse along the way, but we never, same thing, never did a big project together. And when I thought, you know Tom's work, you know, he does Supernatural and he does Westerns like nobody's business. And I think this is some of the best work he's ever done. So that's the second one. Very exciting, man. <clears throat> you know, and one, oh, real fast, I, I just want to point out um, that era of 50s and 60s, well, especially the 50s of uh, Westerns and stuff, We, I think people will just say, oh, Hopalong, Cassidy, Roy Rogers, and think of stuff like that. But no, the adult Western was really this very nuanced genre. And in fact, literally two nights ago on Word Balloon, uh, we were discussing the career of Henry Silva, and we were talking about the Bud Bedecker film, one of his earliest films, The Tall T. With, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know that one. No. That's Randolph Scott and Richard Boone, and it was Bud Bedecker, the director. And it's just like – I'm so glad you mentioned Gunsmoke because it really, on radio, captured exactly that same mm -hmm. High Noon and the yeah. Bedecker films and yeah. Anthony Mann, those great filmmakers – they Gunsmoke really grabbed that same vibe, especially on radio. I don't know why. I don't know if you – real fast because you know this is one of my favorite subjects. But um, for some reason, because I've really been trying to watch the earlier hour-long black and white Gunsmokes mm -hmm. and even the, the half-hour ones as well. Not the same and thing. I, it really is. And I love James Arnest. I think he's – the whole cast, amazing cast. So are yeah. you able to, do you want to grab that or are you, are you okay? Oh, no, 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 that's okay. That's okay. Okay. I didn't even, no problem. Don't but anyway, so no, yeah. that, that so is that's, so great that's, to hear. Yeah, that's great. And we're and getting. So I'm finally, after all these years, you know, the, the little four-year-old in me riding his hobby horse gets to do, this, do his Western, you know, which is really cool. Outstanding. All right. So um, what do we got next? Then we have Godsend. That was the one you had before yep. with that giant we go. turtle guy. Um, <laughs> so this one, uh, and I can't say that much about because I don't want to give that much away. I keep my one liner is Jack Kirby meets Philip K. Dick meets the Matrix. So it, it's got a Kirby gods element. It's got that Philip K. Dick reality is not what you think it is. And that same sort of feeling that's in the Matrix. And uh, th this 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 being this godlike being that the media dubs Godsend appears. Out of nowhere. No one knows whether he's here to, to save the world or destroy the world. And our main character, who is this basically schlubby, middle-aged, junior high school teacher, insecure little guy, becomes obsessed, obsessed with godsend. Uh, kind of reminds me of the way Richard Dreyfus was in, in Close Encounters, you know, when he the whole his whole world becomes this this being. Sure. And he doesn't even know why he's obsessed until one day this weird turtle being <laughs> manifests in his apartment and opens the door on another level of reality for him. And then the story takes off from there. So well, uh, I, I get to do, go ahead. Keep going. You no, that's okay. Do. I was going to say, point, pointing, pointing out the, uh, the image here in uh, that, that shows all four concepts and stuff. No, you get that Kirby cosmic and really or seventies Marvel cosmic kind of vibe. From yeah, God. yeah, and, yeah, and so is it. Um, and I hope I'm saying the word right. Idolatry. I mean, it is uh, again, uh, you know, like you said, you don't want to say too much about it, but yeah, I mean, are you are you exploring that idea? Almost what we're seeing even now with modern superhero films in terms of the iconic 
Right. And you know what I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's about a theme that I've written about my whole life uh, as a writer. It's the idea of who we think we are versus who we really are, what we assume reality to be versus what reality really is. And okay. if you know, you know that, that however much the, the Maya, the darkness of the world wants to convince us that something really, really awful and life is terrible and miserable. I don't believe that. I believe that there's another level of reality beneath that, that is sacred and magical. And this story explores those themes. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful, man. And yeah. then finally, we've got uh, Any Man. Any Man. Now, so, so David Baldion, I worked with him on Ben Riley. I had never heard of this guy before we worked together and just fell in love with his work. You know, he's, um, he does the big action beats like nobody's business, but he also can then turn on a dime and do these beautiful, quiet, emotional moments that'll like tear your heart out. Um, and this story too uh, is what I've been playing with, playing with in the back of my head and had little notes on for years. And then suddenly I went, oh, there's the whole story and put it together. So uh, any man as we meet him is one of these sort of classic iconic superheroes. He shows up, he claims he's from you know, an antediluvian time period like Atlantis before then. He's come through this time portal. His world, his world has died. He's come to this crisis point. It starts in the 60s, in 1969, to help the, the modern world not go through the same thing that his, that his world went through. He becomes this global hero, looked up to, revered by everyone across the world, and this goes on for 50 years. But that's the, that's the superhero coding. Underneath that is it turns out that everything that we think we know about this guy is an absolute lie. And there's a whole other agenda going on here. Um, so I, again, I don't want to say that much more. Uh, uh, but but it's it, it it and I get all these stories are fairly epic. Like with any man, as we hopefully we'll get to continue the story, it's going to take place. The story is going to jump back and forth over those fifty years. Okay, you know, wisdom is is you know takes place over a course of years, and it's big, like Lord of the Rings, big. Uh, you know, Layla is. Um, lands of after i said they're infinite so the journey can take her anywhere and then god send what you see in the first issue i hope the first issues are will stand on their own and 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 be satisfying on their own but it's just the tip of an iceberg of really creating an entire universe of new characters that are going to come out of this that i've got in my head and i've got in my notes and when the story continues you'll get to meet them all one by one excellent man no that's yeah. great i i will say of course uh, I do appreciate whenever you uh, do address uh, the idea of the superhero and, and you pull it apart. Your savior, savior 28 uh, is one of my favorites of creator own things that you've done. And any man obviously seems to want to scratch that itch as well. But again, as you say, you know, you see, you see the vibes with uh, Layla and Abadazad, as you mentioned. Yeah. And uh, no, I'm thrilled. I'm uh, again, I think uh, Godsend. And, uh, and wisdom are, are excellent concepts as well. I think you, uh, you got it going, Mark. And what's great is, you know, look at all these, look at all these artists and look at their styles. You cannot mix up one with the other, you know, and that's the fun of it that, you know, and that's been the fun of my whole career. It's like, okay, I can go write Spider-Man. I'm going to go write, you know, Moonshadow or the girl on the Bay or whatever it is I'm working on or Savory 28 or, you know, and you can jump back and forth. I can do funny yeah. stuff with, with Giffen. I can do, you know, serious yeah, stuff right. over here. I can do kid friendly stuff. I can do autobiographical stuff. So it's always great to mix it up because it keeps you fresh. It keeps you interested. I was talking to somebody just recently about this. You know, the great thing about I've been doing this for, okay, more than 40 years. 
which is astonishing because I'm only 39. And, and, well, well, that's right. Exactly. At least there's the one person that gets that joke. Um, And I know I'm talking to (laughs) that. Every time I sit down, every time I sit down to work though, and that's what keeps it fresh. Every new story is just that it's a new story. It's like I've never written before. You know, there's a, there's a concept in, in, in Chinese philosophy called a beginner's mind. You should appre- approach whatever you do as if you've never done it before. And that's really what writing is, you know. I'm, I have the muscles from 40 years of lifting those weights, yes. So throw me something. I'll create a story for you. But the bottom line is, with things, especially with things like this, like you're sitting down with a blank page creating a universe out of thin air. You know, essentially, you're God. Speaking of spiritual themes, you know, yeah. it's a great it's a great metaphor for the way God works. You know, that's the way I see God. It's like, okay, what story am I writing today? Um, but but yeah, man, and your your imagination is endless and goes into so many different directions, and that's why this uh, idea of creating your own universe and these four very distinct ideas uh, obviously supports that. Yeah, and and again, that's what keeps it fresh and exciting for me because it doesn't yeah. get boring. You know, as long as you're creating something new, it doesn't get boring. You know, uh, uh, Henry, uh, already, and I'm glad because it gives us an opportunity to talk about your writing uh, seminars that you do as well. Right. well let asked, me just say one more thing so people oh, know. If you, want, if you want lots of information about these projects and what's going on, you can sign up for updates. Go to SpellboundComics.com. There's also a Spellbound Facebook group. So you'll get all the information you need. You'll get alerts on everything, and uh, you'll be in the loop the whole way. I'm creating a... Uh, Okay. Oh, that was. I see the question here. When writing a story, yes. do you write full script or do you use the Marvel method? I do both. When I started at DC, when I when I at the very beginning of my career, everything was full script. For those that don't know, full script: page one, panel one, uh, panel description, caption, dialogue. You know, you break break down each page, you paste everything. It's all there. Marvel style. There, well, there's there's actually misconceptions about Marvel style because people hear the old stories about Stan Lee calling up Jack Kirby and saying, let's bring back Dr. Doom. And Jack goes off and draws you know, 20 pages of story. Um, it's not that way. My plots are very, very, very detailed, as the artists that I work with will tell you, and very, very tight and filled with, you know, character bits and dialogue and themes and all that stuff. But the great thing with Marvel style is before you do the final script, you get the artwork back. So you look at the page and it changes something, you know, there's something in your, you know, and, oh, I was going to have him say that. And you look at that expression and you realize he can say something else. Or, you know what? They don't have to say anything on this page because everything I communicated in my plot is there in the art. I always tell the classic story for me is uh, Spectacular Spider-Man 200 with the death of Harry Osborne. Last three pages of that story. And, uh, you know, Harry's dying. It's very dramatic melodramatic let's be honest and um and i thought you know when this art comes in i am gonna have to schmaltz it up and pluck the heartstrings and get poetic and and then sal's art comes in and i look at the last three pages and every single thing i asked for in the plot was there and i actually started to write it and i went this doesn't need a word and if you look at the last three pages of that story there's not a single word on it. And that's the fun of Marvel style. But I love both because when you're working full script, it's like it's all there. But even with full script, and this is what I tell people in my classes, you give that full script to five different artists, you're going to get five different stories back. It's like a musician working with five different producers. The producer is going to play with those dials and the same sounds are there, but that record's going to sound different. 
Word Balloon is brought to you by my listeners. You are the sponsors of Word Balloon, the League of Word Balloon listeners, via subscriptions monthly to Patreon, patreon.com slash Word Balloon. Hey, couldn't do it without you, honestly, League. I, I truly appreciate your support. I appreciate your devotion, your listenership, and your patronage, honestly. Um, you know, if you can even spare a dollar a month, it's greatly appreciated. It helps me make these terrific shows, uh, go to conventions where I'm not sponsored, and, uh, you know, keep networking and, and uh, making interesting programming, hope, hopefully for you to enjoy every month here on Word Balloon. But I couldn't do it without you. Thank you very much, League of Word Balloon listeners. Again, if you want to subscribe to Word Balloon uh, for as little as a dollar a month, all you need to do is go to patreon.com slash wordballoon, W-O-R-D-B-A-L-L-O-O-N, and again, I really appreciate your patronage, subscription, and attention, all of you, the League of Word Balloon listeners. This is what I've always appreciated your work. You are so collaborative with your artists, and their voice comes through as much as yours. And again, we can see it in these images uh, that you're teasing us with as far as these new concepts. I mean, again, this is gorgeous, 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 gorgeous. I mean, it's it's very exciting. And uh, yeah, I, I I think I think it's terrific, and I'm glad you have that attitude about it. And as that's well. why you know someone asked me. Well, they said well, you see that all the artists are credited as co-creators, and my feeling is it's comics. It doesn't matter if this idea has been in my head for 25 years. It's not real until there, that picture is on the page. And like I said, five different artists would create five different things. The minute they have to visualize the world in my head, they are co-creators of this property. They are equal partners in this property, and and and. That's the way it should be, you know. When I see when I see things where people are tussling about that, you know, it's like don't tussle about that. It's comics. The minute you know, it's like it, there's no film in the camera until they until they turn in the artwork. Hundred percent, man. No, you're right. The the artist A is doing the heavy storytelling lifting because it's a visual medium, but also you know that's that was the Ditko argument or comment when you know Stan would would kind of take most of the Spider-Man glory, at least in Ditko's perception, even in that uh, Jonathan Ross BBC documentary in search of Steve Ditko. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it, well, and, and that's, and, that's a step beyond because Ditko was plotting most of that stuff. It's not, he wasn't just drawing Stan scripts. You know what I mean? He was plotting same with Jack and yeah. 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 And, and, uh, and Ramita, I, you know, and I think a lot of that, you know, not to take anything away from Stan who I love and revere, yeah. but a lot of that, Angst could have been avoided had those had, had those credits simply said, you know, even giving them credit as co-plotters on all those issues, plot and script, Great. Stan Lee, plot and art, Jack Kirby, for all those guys, and it's all taken care of. I never had the pleasure of talking to Ramita Senior on the record, but I did meet him at conventions a couple times, and he would talk. And in fact, I just talked to Johnny uh, about you know the car trips, uh, and you know, literally Ramita like starting with the plot and going, ah, what should we have Spider-Man do this time? You know, and things like that on these long road trips and stuff. So no, I get it. And uh, yeah. yeah, you know, so no, again, Mark, I think, I think this is really terrific. And as always, um, because of your uh, years in in a, in a positive way uh, that, that you really, it, you know, as, as we get older and you'll forgive me, cause I'll throw myself in there as well. I'm a better broadcaster than I was 20 years ago, man. Right. And 30 years right. ago. I mean, that's just the way right. it is. I, and I'm much more comfortable interviewing. Well, so I said before, it's those so. muscles. You've been working those. If, if you continue to challenge yourself, and that's the difference between you see some people that are around for a while and it's just, you feel like, 
they're just repeating themselves or they're just in the same corner and then they kind of drift away. But I think that, and that, but that's the same. It's not even from being around for years from the very beginning. I, I realized for me to grow as a writer, not just in comics, but in, 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 you know, across the board, whether it's prose or TV or movies or whatever, you have to challenge yourself. Uh, when I did Moonshadow, which was the thing that really, really changed me as a writer. No one came to me and said, do a personal creator-owned book that will change you forever as a writer. I had to come up, you know, I, I went and I said, I want to do this. I want to challenge myself. I want to do this. Um, you know, the, the, the average editor, and I don't mean this in a, in a negative way, if they're working for Marvel or DC especially, their job is to get the trains out on time and running on time. They want good people who are going to deliver good work on time. And the, the challenging yourself part most of the time is up to you. Understood. And also it has to fit in a specific pattern or construct, whereas creator own, you can really, you right. know, your, your mind, you can, you can do whatever you want. And I'm so glad as always that you do bring up things like Moonshadow because agreed, man. I mean, I had already been such a fan of your Marvel work and you know, I, I it, it was Moonshadow and then your DC work. Am I correct? Timeline wise? Well, I started at DC. Okay. And that's then I right. went, I started at DC on the anthology books. And, you know, that was in the days when, when you could write 10-page superhero stories, too. And then I went to Marvel and did, you know, Captain America and Defenders and all that stuff. And then in 80, then I, 85 was when Moonshadow came out. Okay, okay. Uh, that I makes followed sense. that up with Blood of Tail. And then I went over to Vertigo, you know, working with Karen and Shelley. Um, and uh, talk about great editors. I mean, you know, and those are, and, and they, you know, when working on like that kind of stuff, then you're working with editors because it's creator owned who want you to challenge yourself, who, who incur. And I don't, I, and I don't mean this negatively about the Marvel and DC editors at, at all. I've worked with great, great editors, really great editors who were who very creative, great ideas. But I'm just saying that to grow as an artist, really, the, the, the responsibility is on you to challenge yourself. Leandro Damasenko ask an interesting question, but I have a feeling it's going to be more than one answer. He's only looking for one, though. And he says, you've talked about an aspect of your writing, but is there a thing, a theme perhaps, that you recognize in your writing as being yours? What do you see as being a characteristic of uh, your voice? That's a great question. You know, voice is, a, is an interesting thing. I talk about that in the workshops, you know. Uh, the At least for me, you, you the voice isn't just you're not, uh, Athena doesn't pop out of your skull. The voice isn't just there unless, you know, there's, I always say there, there might be a small percentage of people in the world who are such geniuses that they just walk onto the world stage and they're brilliant writers or artists or musicians or whatever they are. For, for we mortal men, we have to grow and, and evolve. And, and, and one of the things that comes up are themes, you know, you kind of look, certainly you've been writing for a few years and you look at your work and you see, Oh, these are themes of personal identity. And I realize that the core of a lot of what I write is the search for self. It might be a psychological search for self. It might be a search for self through exploring the family that created you, or it might be a search for self in the terms of the search for ultimate meaning. You know, what, what is this universe? Why are we here? So from the psychological to the cosmic, but that search for self really, really does drive a lot of what I write. And then the answers that I have found in my own life then illuminate that search. So, you know, they're my answers and not everybody's, but that's what we write for, to share our point of view on the universe. 100%, man. No, and it's funny because I was going to say, although as you put it, that is really a very central theme, but I would say that, yeah, you, you're, the four things that you're even putting out now represent different aspects 
of of uh, yourself and ideas. But that said, you're right. No, it it does really come back to you know the as you said the person that we present versus the person we really are or or whatever. And I think yeah. that's uh, you know, and we all have these filters based on our experiences and perception. Yeah. And it's the same thing I said about different artists with the same story. You could give five writers the same story idea, but they're going to come out vastly different because of the filters of our experiences, of our obsessions, of the themes that haunt us, you know? And the great thing is like, you're talking about these ideas. Like I wake up in the morning and I'm seeing a movie in my head. I'm not seeing the themes or anything. It's only as I develop that I go, Oh, here it comes again. There's that theme again. And really you follow almost any writer and you go to classic writers, whether it's Dickens or Dostoevsky or whoever it is, read their work. Everyone's obsessed with themes that keep coming up and coming up. And you hope that the longer you write, the deeper the exploration can be. I understand, man. Um, listen, obviously, people, if you have questions about these new concepts, I am happy to get them as well as uh, playing the we'll hits. talk about Mag- anything. It's okay. Yeah, and Magic K has a uh, question about playing the hits. In your Spectre run, there was a female version of Hal Jordan. Uh, was that your idea or an artist's idea? No, that, was, that, that was my idea. The idea was I was you know, thinking of the Spectre. You know, when, when I love these cosmic beings, the supernatural characters, and the DC Universe, the supernatural car- uh, corners of the DC Universe, I love, you know. When I was writing Justice League Dark, I was in heaven because you could write any one of those characters that you wanted. But the Spectre is like, you know, he, he was, at this point, he was evolving from the spirit of uh, vengeance to the spirit of redemption. But he's a cosmic being. How does he do all this? It's kind of like Santa Claus. How does he do it all in one night? So my idea was that he could, he could, he, he could appear in any form anywhere and any aspect of his own psyche could take form anywhere in the world or anywhere in the cosmos. So the, the feminine aspects of his psyche took the form of a feminine specter, you know? And and so um, that's what I was playing with there. It was an interesting melding of Hal Jordan and then this new role after redeeming himself or in the process of redeeming. It was, it was tough though. I'll tell you, because looking back, I I loved that run. I got to work with Ryan Sook and and Norm Brayfogle. Those are the two main artists on that book. You couldn't ask for two better artists. And, um, but the, the, at the time I've in the years since I've run into many people who understood what I was trying to do with that book and they took it in their hearts. Cause it was one of those books also that was deeply, deeply personal to me, but at the time it was coming out, there was one crowd they wanted Hal Jordan to be Green Lantern, and I understood that. And there was another crowd. They wanted the Spectre to be that guy that turns into a giant cheese grater and grates your face. And, you know, Come on, absolutely, the Fleischer apparel stuff. You know, yeah, there, was a lot, there was a lot of people that, there were a lot of people that were not happy with the way the book was. What is this, like, weird cosmic spiritual thing you're doing here, you know? But luckily, over the years, I've run into so many people that, have, that, that read that series and got it and, and took it into their hearts. But, you know, sometimes, I, yeah, sometimes yeah. you're lucky enough and, and your editor gives you the room enough, especially even on these characters that are owned, quote, corporate characters, where you can make them deeply personal. In a way, the specter was as personal as if I had been doing it as a creator-owned Vertigo book. Same thing for the two years I did Dr. Fate with Sean McManus. You know, uh, Karen, Karen Berger and Art Young were editing that book, and they just let me do it. And, you know, and, and I look back on that, and it was like a creator-owned book with a DC character. Doesn't always work that way, so I've been lucky. I'm I'm very curious to see what kind of uh, I, I mean. Obviously, they're going back to a lot of the classic stuff about Doctor Fate in the Black Adam movie coming up, or at least that's what it looks like. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what interpretation both yeah. of uh, not only uh, Fate but also, frankly, Black Adam. I I hung out with a buddy uh, out of town uh, today, 
And uh, he was telling me the rumors he heard about Black Adam's origin that are very different from what the original story was. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I guess we'll find out in a couple of weeks. You know, and the truth is, you can't prejudge any of this stuff. You know, everybody loves to get up in arms and like, you know, a little snippet comes out and everyone's shaking their fists or that's not how it's done or that actor's all wrong. And then the movie comes out and we all go, oh, that's so good. <laughs> you know? So I remember uh, when they were making the first Avengers movie and one of the fights that would happen in the city, um, someone like took photos from their phone and we're posting them and everyone's like, man, these fights look hacky. And it's like, folks, this is going to be shot on red cam with quick cuts and different angles than just some putz sitting there with his phone and everything. I'm like, you can't judge him by that. Please. Good luck. Right. Got go, even go, the... all the way, yeah, go all the way back to Michael Keaton, Batman. Remember that uproar, right? And yes. So that, that movie certainly tanked, didn't it? In in the letter pages. Exactly, man. Right, God, right. remember like Amazing Heroes and Comics Buyer's Guide? Yeah. What are they doing? I'm never going to watch this. Right, right. Oh, yeah. We all went, now we we're all pissed off. We all watched it over and right. And everybody's pissed off that we don't get to see him again. Exactly. I mean, I, really, everyone's like, hey, this is going to be great. Keaton Batman. No, no, sorry. Uh, we we got to figure out the money that we've blown. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it is honestly, and Mark, you could comment or not, but I find this so interesting because literally this week I had Patrick Schumacher on, the showrunner for the Harley Quinn uh, animated show, which I think is just so great, and was relieved to hear that a season four has been greenlit. And then literally in the last two days, it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, Adult Swim, a lot of your favorite cartoons, they're going to be gone by the end of the month. And it's like on HBO Max. And it's like, wow, man. Well, you know, I mean, it's yay for Harley Quinn. Yeah. But- I know people that are working at some of these companies, and they're all basically like, like this now because everyone's looking over their shoulder because they don't know what's coming. They don't know if they're going to have jobs tomorrow. They don't know what's going to happen to the material they're working on. Um, it's it's got to be a very, very unnerving time. You know, plus they, you know, they they just got used to the first corporate overlord, you know, AT and T, and then they get sold to the new sold to the new corporate yeah. overlord. I you hope know, it all works out because I have to tell you, you know, HBO Max is actually great. There's a lot of great stuff on HBO Max. I agree. So I, I hope it continues to stay the way it is. I, man, I so hear you. And also um, mentioning uh, Warner Brothers and even Warner Brothers Animation, you've had a great run. In, all, 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 all the all the animated movies that I've written are on HBO Max right now. Indeed. I have like, like five or six of them. They're all up there. And a bunch of the shows that I've written for are up there. So it's great to have it all out there. And I hope it stays yeah. there because, you know, every once in a while I'm on the treadmill. And what do I want to watch? I'm going to watch one of those movies I wrote, you know? Hey, I don't, honestly, man, <laughs> literally, you know, Red Sun, the the Batman Bad Blood. Uh, it was Bad Blood, but or just yeah, the I did, I did Batman versus Robin and Batman Bad Blood and Constantine's yeah. City of Demons. And, yes, and the Deathstroke. And Deathstroke, Knights and Dragons. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff, man. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. No, yeah. no, no. And of course, your uh, Justice League uh, episodes as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's you know. why it was fun working with James Tucker on that Justice League Infinity series, which uh, yes. collect, Collected Edition came out, I guess, in June or something like that. So that's out there, the whole series. It was great. Mark, that's the last time we talked. And truly, you guys stuck the landing. It was such a great series. And, you know, again, both of you know the subject so well. But it's so it's just great to have you guys back doing it. And and just like uh, Dini and Alan Burnett doing uh, the Batman animated series. Yeah recent comic book as well it's like no these things retain the tone of what made the animated shows great but also again you you know you you get that wonderful giant bigger canvas of both story length but also uh you know you can just do more and it was great working with james you know james and i worked on a bunch of things together but it's really different when you're working one-on-one and i really got to know him in a way that i hadn't known him before and he is you've had him on the show haven't you i have i was gonna say he's what a great guy what a great guy oh my god yeah. Oh no, I'm I'm always thrilled when uh, he decides to come back, and I don't even know. I know he's working on something. I don't he's, know if it's been. Announced, I think he's but, working on that Batman show, isn't he? The with the Bruce Timm. You show. know, honestly, that's one of the things that I. I mean, it they they kind of made the announcement that even though it may not be on HBO Max, that they are going to shop it around. Right, and, and if I was Netflix or, or or Amazon, I would be grabbing that thing in ten seconds. Good lord, yes, you know? yeah. my god, yeah. I mean, honestly, the amount of talent. Tim Tucker, uh, Matt Reeves, uh, of course, uh, Brubaker uh, being the head writer and the writers that he is commissioned to work on that. Um, yeah, I don't I, I honestly I've, I haven't you know, I don't want to because, again, if it's like something in flux, you know, I don't want to, you know, yeah. seem like be a nosy. I, you know, everyone thinks like I'm, I'm not here to scoop things. I'm, I'm not Lois Lane. I am. I am. It's a talk show. And it's like, hey, if you can't talk about something, I'm, it's OK. Right. We're all doing the same stuff online and making the same guesses. is all it really is at this yeah. point. You know, absolutely true, man. Um, are there any DC or Marvel projects coming up for you or are you? you I know, have, yeah, coming coming in November. I have another Spider-Man uh, series coming called The Lost Hunt. Um, oh, very nice. So, you know, the Ben Riley series took place in that era in the 90s when Ben had just taken over as Spider-Man for the first time after his five-year exile. So the question became, well, what were Peter and Mary Jane up to? And the only thing we knew about was that series that I think Fabian had done called The Final Adventure, at the end of which Peter was left without any powers. So, um, and they said they wanted something relating to Craven. That's what they came to me with. I don't know why they would come to me about Craven, but they came to me. Um, (laughs) And what was interesting was I had this, you know, part of me is like, what the hell else do I have to say about Craven? Except I had this character in the back of my head that I've been thinking about for a couple of years that tied into Craven's origin. You know, how did he go from this, this broken, exiled Russian aristocrat to quote Craven the Hunter? There's a piece in between that was missing and a character that was missing in between. So that character becomes central to this. And if we remember, there was a character called Gregor back in the 90s who was kind of Craven's right-hand man. Yes. He's central to this. And so it, now we have a powerless Peter Parker. Imagine if Craven's last hunt took place and Peter had no powers and a very pregnant wife. So we get to explore 
for me, it's the question of what really makes this man a hero. It ain't the uh, web and it ain't sticking to walls. It's Peter Parker. And that's what that story explores. And then there's this whole question of the backstory of what made Craven, where, you know, what turned this man into that and what's the missing piece. And it's a great new character that I'm very excited about that we introduce. And that starts in November. And again, the title of yeah. that book, uh, the lost hunt, Spider-Man, the lost hunt. Very cool. Yeah. Um, David Finn has a, a couple of interesting questions and especially the second part of his question Speaking of animated adaptations, would you be interested in doing an animated movie of the 90s Batman Dracula comics or, and this is the one I would love to see, your own Speeding Bullets one shot that you did with Eduardo Barreto? Yeah. And I agree, David. That I, was I, 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 I would do Speeding. You know, I, I've actually, it's come up in conversation occasionally, you know, with those guys about doing Speeding Bullets because I think oh, that's wow. made, it's, and not that, that doesn't mean they're doing anything about it. It's just come okay. up in conversation. You know? No, but that's um, good that they're thinking about it. So it would be, I think, I think it's perfect. I mean, it's, it, it fuses the Batman and Superman mythos. What's the plural of mythos? Mythoses? Define? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> probably, I think the plural of mythos is mythos, probably. I, mean, I would anyway, imagine. <laughs> it, fuses, it fuses those two things together. I think it'd make a great, great animated movie. So um, anytime, they're, anytime they're ready, I would write that in a heartbeat. And Eduardo's like subtle change to the Batman costume. Yeah. Oh, they just they, McFarlane twice. I just got it last. Someone gave it to me last week. They put out a figure of the. Oh, that's great. Of the speeding oh. bullets, Batman, Superman character. You know. Absolutely. That's so fit, man. What a sad loss. We all miss him. He yeah. was such a wonderful artist. And his and, son is a is a fine artist as well. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Oh, that's great. I know his son was working with. I, man, one of the last things that that uh, Eduardo was working on and stuff. And right now it's escaping me. Maybe somebody in the chat might remember, but um, and I think I'm correct on that. But regardless, yeah, that again, what a great one shot. Um, are there, you know, again, Craven and things like that, and um, are there are there uh, animated things that um, you know Marvel doesn't do as many animated films? Yeah, it's funny too because I think do Craven's Last Hunt as an animated, just like these DC movies. You know, it doesn't mean you can't do it as a as a live action sure. movie eventually. Plus, I've always said it's like, well, for a third of your movie, your hero is buried alive. You know, he's having some hallucinations, but it's really, he's, and you know, you know, yeah. the yeah. $20 million actor doesn't want to be buried alive for a third of the movie. He wants to be out there with his mask off half the time, you know? Um, so I think it would be great, great to do, to do Craven's Last Hunt as an animated movie. And I'm volunteering once again to write that one as well. <laughs> Henry, building on some of your writing uh, quotes, you mentioned that when using the Marvel method, you would see an artistic happy accident that would change your writing, like Spectacular Spider-Man 200. Might you lose that using full script? Yeah, I think you might. But but even the same thing, you know, it might come back sometimes full script. It's all lettered. It's all ready to go. And you look at it and and, and you don't want to do this too much because the letter has done a lot of work. And you might think, oh, I could, you know, I can take that balloon out or we could leave that out. It doesn't need it, though, the picture. But but the happy accident thing is really more a result of working, working Marvel style, you know. And again, when I'm right, when I'm writing a plot. I'm talking about page by page, panel by panel, angle by angle most of the time, you know? Okay. But it doesn't matter because once those pictures hit the page, it changes. Um, and again, the, the fun of the full script is that you, you, you know, you really sort of, you're creating the whole thing right then and there. And again, even then the right artist will lift that story up and the wrong artist will tear it down. But that's the truth about comics. Every element of the process can lift it up or tear it down. The wrong inker with the penciler, you could have the greatest penciler in the world. The wrong inker will, will completely screw up his work. The right anchor can take a, an artist who still needs work and lift him up. 
as a writer, I'm very, very careful about lettering because lettering is the delivery system for my story. And I think the average reader doesn't realize what an impact the lettering has. And I've seen it over the years. Bad lettering will take my story, and maybe I think it's like an A-level story, and bad lettering will take it down to a B or a C-level because the way your eye is taking in those words. And conversely, a really good letterer might take my B story and lift it up to an A story. Um, and then the coloring on top of that, especially as coloring has gotten so much more sophisticated. Uh, you know, you look at like you look at that Layla page, Layla and Layla. Yes, I'm about to bring it back up. And it, as brilliant as um, as um, as the art is, the color just takes it to a whole other level. You know? Oh yeah, absolutely, hundred percent, man. And also, I wonder, as someone, as you say, who started doing ten-page anthology stories, where you really had to be punchy and. Uh, the the brevity of of the dialogue was necessary. The word balloons and stuff to the eighties and and you know it seemed like it was much more of an open thing. Do you it find was. do you find your scripts kind of going in a you know hills and va- uh, valley kind of way of less dialogue, more dialogue, now less dialogue again? How do you how do you see that? It, it really depends on the story, and actually it depends on the scene in the story. If you follow my work, you know I can be very verbose. <laughs> and I also, and I also, you know, as you'll see, like in Wisdom, uh, I, I do something that's similar that I've done in Abadasad and Moonshadow, a lot of projects over the years, where some of the some sections of the story are really like illustrated prose. So you have straight comic book sequences, and then you might have three pages. And boy, did Mandrake do a beautiful job with these full page illustrations with a lot of text. Filling you in on backstory and, and getting deeper into things. Then you go back to comics and it may be three pages where there's only two words on those three pages. It depends on the needs of the story. It depends on the needs of that moment in the story. Uh, well, again, I, I have never had a problem with uh, the, the old days of the 80s when, when you know, they were more indulgent and allowed for a lot more space for writing and things like that. Right. And, I mean, look at the yeah. stuff Keith and I did. Look at, look at how many balloons would be on the page, you know. <laughs> I had one editor said, I've never counted more balloons on a page than anywhere else. That's what that stuff, you know, when Keith and I work together, it's about, it's really about that. It's almost like 1930s movies, you know, that rat attack dialogue. Yes. Back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, you know. Absolutely, man. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, I want to, um, Howard Hawks, his girl Friday. Yeah, that I was exactly the movie I was thinking of. That's exactly the movie I was thinking of. I'm with of. you, man. See, yeah, yeah. Mark, again, you know, we're cut from the same cloth, man. I, I, and that's why I love talking to you because exactly we have these things, you know, it, it isn't confirmed yet. His, his agent hasn't made it happen, but I'm saying this as a teaser for both the audience. And also I'm, I'm curious to hear what your reaction is. But um, Alex Ross in his Fantastic Four full circle that certainly uh, has been prominent in commercials here on Word Balloon, um, he told me that uh, in the old days, his model for Reed Richards was Russell Johnson, the, the uh, professor from Gilligan's Island. That's actually and, really good. And you can see it in Marvels and in some of the images in the commercial. Yeah. But you also see some more modern takes that he has. And he has said that he has transitioned from thinking of Russell Johnson to Gary Conway from Land of the Giants, and uh, and wow, I got to wait. I have to like take my mind back in time and picture that face. I can see that. What well, was that '60s rock jawed hero? You know, yes, yeah. exactly, man, and a very Kirby face and Kirby yes. eyes. Yes, I even Burke's Law, where he was like, uh, you know, uh, what's his face is uh, Amos Burke, uh, the actor Gene Barry. Gene Barry. He, 
Gene Barry's leg man, uh, you know, I, I love the the whole concept of Burke's law. I'm a police captain, but I'm also a millionaire. Right, I've got a, right. uh, and I've got a realistic. Rolls Royce. It was very yeah. realistic. <laughs> what, uh, and again, it's Gene Barry. Gene Barry always had, you know, magnetism, but as did Gary Conway. I am so excited to talk to him because Burke's law was an Aaron Spelling show. Land of the Giants was Zerwin Allen. And all the guest stars that they had on those shows and stuff, it's like, I cannot wait. Plus, now he runs a winery and is still... <laughs> You know, he's he's but he's like doing great. And um, because of the Alex Ross thing, uh, uh, his people contacted Alex people like, hey, I'd really like to come out and promote this more. And, you know, I've been itching oh, to do great. some interviews. That's really I'm like, great. I would love to talk to Gary Conway. That would be amazing. You know, if, if the, I always I've said for years, if they do a Fantastic Four movie, I would set it in the 60s, you know, or at least start in the 60s. I and, agree. And if you want to do a time jump at some point and bring them into the current day, do it. But. Or, or maybe they get lost in the negative zone and then yeah. come out in modern day, you know, yeah. kind of yeah. another Captain America. But milk it, milk it for the era that it was, you know, the the, the Kennedy New Frontier uh, era, you know, purely in Kirby magic. Um, Caesar of Rome, uh, Hale, uh, has this question. Yes. Why did Captain Marvel or Shazam leave the Justice League International so early? I think it was a rights issue. It had nothing to do with us. I think that wow. if I'm remembering correctly – it worked in some way that they could only use him for X number of months and they had to leave him out of the books. And they, So it wasn't our choice. It was so much fun writing that character, especially the way we were doing him, you know? Um, yes. But someone said, all right, we can't use him anymore. And that was the end of that. So there's no deep uh, character reason for that. It was just someone over our head said, forget it, take him out of the book. What did you think of uh, the Shazam movie? I actually liked it. Yeah, me I too. Liked it. I, I thought, yeah. I, and I thought, with a couple of exceptions, it was actually kind of kid friendly and adult friendly. There were a couple of scenes in there that I thought were too violent for little kids, but but the rest of it, it was it was just fun. It had a oh, good yeah. heart and it was fun. When the uh, when the subway train shows up, it looks exactly like it did when was it CC Beck that originally drew yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it was no, it was it was charming. It was really really charming. It was it really was. It was like modern, but also very you know Flash Gordony, as I'm sure yeah. Beck's designs were leaning towards back in the day. So. It's sort of no, like in a, the, the, in, in a totally different way, but it reminded me of the first Captain America movie, which was very sort of had that old-fashioned entertainment. I remember when it came out, and I was like, there's no way they're going to be able to do Captain America well, and they're setting it in World War II, and he's going to look stupid in the costume. And my wife, of all people, said, I'm going to go see this movie. And I said, I, don't want, I didn't want to see it. She came home and said, you have to see this movie. You know, So we, she saw it a second time and took me to see it, and I fell in love with it. It was you such know, a good, still one of my favorite Marvel movies, one of my top three, probably. I agree. I am looking forward uh, to Anthony Mackie doing Sam Wilson as Captain America. But that said, uh, I, they could have done another 10 Chris Evans Captain America movies. Yeah. I mean, he really, yeah. he really, and also I've loved how in real life his uh, Twitter account has emulated a lot of the values of Captain America. Right. And that's right. been great to see as well. No, great steward of the character. And I'll, and again, you know, that's isn't it interesting, Mark, that uh, thank God Kevin Feige came at the right time, but also had several working under Avi Arana and, and the previous Marvel film regimes before Iron Man, you know, had, had done hit and miss comic book superhero movies and villain movies to the point where when when finally the the uh, first Iron Man movie came out, he knew what he was doing. But isn't it interesting that DC has not found they're Kevin Feige. And I wonder sometimes, and in fact, on background talking to certain people, they've said they're looking more for a, uh, a financial producer rather than a creative producer. 
And it's like, you got to understand the, the, the stories and the heroes yeah, to really yeah, do it yeah. right. I, I, I said something on Twitter, I don't know, a few weeks ago. Uh, and I, I mentioned Bruce Tim, but I thought any of these guys that have worked on the animated side, Bruce Tim, James Tucker, James, uh, you yeah. know, uh, all these guys, there's so many talented guys who know these characters and these worlds inside and out. And, and, and they've done definitive versions. You're not going to find it. You'll find other versions of the justice league as good. Uh, as Justice League Unlimited, but I don't think you're going to find any version that's better. Because they understood that, you know, uh, they understood those characters, and yeah. when they changed things, they changed things that still respected the core of the characters. You know, they they were able to take all yes. these different elements and make this incredible soup that became something new. You know, I don't know if you've been watching the Harley Quinn animated series, but I can say no, the same thing for that. Yeah. It's, it's it, it I, I mean, it is hard satire and and definitely R-rated satire. But that said, you cannot deny the writer's room love of the characters because they all are still very consistent in what they were in the DC, in the, you know, whatever straight DC universe. But now with a comedic twist that again, still retains what makes them great. And when it, when they're playing it straight. So it's uh, it real. And again, as someone that really has excelled in doing superhero comedy as you have. Um, yeah. I, I hope so. at some point you, you do get to see it. Um, I hear Peter Beiser. Peter Beiser says these characters will outlive all of us. You hit the nail on the head. These creators and actors are caretakers who will continue to pass them to the next generation as the ones of the past have. Indeed, I completely agree. Yeah, and then, you know, we're all we're all adding to this thing. Uh, I, I, I hope we yes. I haven't used this metaphor before, but I, I I have this image of like this giant story whale, and that you know it's like this giant whale moving through the ocean, and we're all like Captain Ahab. And so Indeed. for a while, I jump on the whale, and it's got. I'm not hurting the whale. No, no whales are harmed here. And I take my harpoon and I carve a story into the side of the whale. And then at some point, the whale's going to throw me off. And there's like a hundred other people jumping, and the whale just keeps expanding to make room for more and more of this stuff. But that whale's going to be going and swimming and moving forward long after we're all gone. But all of our contributions are creating aspects of that thing and growing it and evolving it. And uh, it's, it's an interesting thing, this shared universe business. You know, it's really interesting. Frustrating sometimes for creators as well, for obvious reasons. Sure. But, um, but it, you know, it's, it's a unique thing. And I think it's, it's particularly unique to comics uh, that, you know, a couple of guys, Stan and Jack and Steve, say, you know, they, they start making up this stuff. And suddenly, you know, what is it, 60 years later, all it's... it's it's like we're all coming with our cups and pouring it in the ocean, you know, but each cup has something unique in it. There's this unique flavor that's going in there, you know, and we're they all getting to this, you know? It's no, they, 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 yeah, they find something new to say. No, you're absolutely good Lord. Uh, I, you know, Scott Snyder on Batman, Tom King on Batman. Uh, so many Marvel writers, Chip Zdarsky uh, following a tremendous daredevil run and is still just nailing it. And, uh, you know, God, Mark Russell, I think, is another great new writer. But that's the trick, what you said, finding something new in it. Like this Ben Ryle and, and this, uh, this new Spider-Man thing, if they, yeah. were just, if they were just nostalgia fests, I wouldn't be interested. I don't want to just go like, let's do our old hits. Let me get the guitar and I'll sing that song, you know, from 1987. <laughs> I want to find something new to say about these characters in their world or there's no point in doing it. Speaking of music, are you still making new music? Yeah, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still writing, still writing songs, and yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, cool. 
I've got so many songs. I keep been threatening to go back into the studio for years now. I've got, you know, I could, I could do like a triple album at this point. You know? <laughs> Would you ever like, you know, me, I mean, being a broadcaster and again, thank God for uh, the democracy, the democratization of uh, uh, technology and, and what the internet provides that, you know, I don't need a radio studio anymore. I'm talking to you from my couch and my laptop. Right. Um, do you ever, do you ever, do you have a home studio? I do not. You know, I, I like playing with other people. You know, sure. I, I am also, I, 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 you know, I play, you know, a couple of different instruments, but I'm not Paul McCartney. I'm not a virgin. I'm not going to sit down and play all the parts myself. And I don't want to. I, no, like, I, I like going in with a group of guys. I have a, a vision in my, it's almost like working with the artist. Same thing. I have a vision in my head. Here's my song. Here's how I see it. Here are the parts that I hear. Now let's put that together. And then the guitarist goes, like, yes, you know what I mean? Sure. And off you go. Um, to me, that's the fun. So, you know, I'm ho- hopefully I'll be able to get back in the studio with a good bunch of guys and, and get some of these songs down. Do you have regulars that you'll go to and uh, that if you, I have, I, yeah, I have, I have people and I have like some old friends that I used to play in bands with from years ago that sure. you know, we all, we were always threatening uh, to get back together and play again, you know? Hey, Max Collins tells me about his, uh, you know, revivals he does with his uh, old bandmates and stuff. And a good friend of mine is a Chicago drummer that, you know, always still was doing it at home. But really, I'm so proud of him because really in like the last 15 years has really gotten into performing again with live bands and even has a great uh, practice uh, studio that he's able to get to and just work things out. And it's a wonderful space. Do you have that ability? Uh, You know, know, I'm I'm very lo-fi. I write a song, I take my phone out, I record it on my phone, and that and I and I save it that way. The 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 arrangements are in my head. I hear the string parts, I hear the guitar parts, I hear the piano parts, I hear the drum parts. That's all in here, you know. Sure. It's funny you mentioned Chicago because when I did the uh, the the last time I was in the studio, it was in the '90s with the CD that I did then. It was all Chicago musicians on that one. Oh, that's great. I recorded that's it in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. I uh, a month or so ago, I, I threw up a great uh, photo that happened at a recording studio here in Chicago, and it was from the mid '80s. Uh, it was my one encounter and a very nice one with the great Elton John, huh? and uh, it was amazing. Yeah, I was you know, and, and I was thinner and cuter back then. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine you could possibly be cuter, John. It's true. It's true. <laughs> But no, it was it really. I mean, again, I was, uh, you know, the first um, ten years of my uh, radio career was in music, and then I I uh, made the move to sports, and you know that's where I was for another ten years, and then the last uh, ten were really just doing commercials and, and and that stuff. It's so great to be able to do interviews again as I did during my sports years. So yeah. uh, that's that's the great opportunity. In fact, uh, today, ninety fifth anniversary of a great boxing match, the second. Jack Dempsey, Gene Tunney fight, the long count, where Tunney was down for uh, more than 10 seconds and was a hot, uh, controversial thing for decades. You know what's so interesting about what just happened, John? As soon as you said that, you went into your announcer mode. It was like I was listening to a documentary. It was great. (laughs) Well, actually, (laughs) I actually posted it back in 2002 when it was the 75th anniversary. I made an audio documentary and had Studs Terkel and Roger Kahn among oh, wow. my uh, yeah oh my god i cannot find my hour-long roger Kahn conversation he had just written a dempsey biography and of course great baseball writer a great sports writer in general and it was such a pleasure to talk to him and the stories he had not just about the obvious but so many real insights to dempsey beyond his boxing career and a very a very interesting uh, man uh, you know he was part of that 
20s uh, group of the Golden Age of Sports Heroes with Babe Ruth and Bobby Jones and uh, I forget who the tennis player was of that time. But like there were four or five, you know, that the were kind of the classic Paul Gallup, uh, you know, sports writers that they would just glow about those 20s athletes and stuff. The heroes of their day. Right. This, All is, right, where, this is kind of where we part company. I was I gonna say, so not All a right, sports guy. I'm sitting here just going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know. I was going to say, I'm boring the shit out of Mark. No, That's you're not boring right. me. It's just that I, I don't I don't have that well of knowledge, you know? It's all good, man. No, no, no. There was something uh, I want to mention I forgot to mention please. earlier, which is uh, a project that came out recently that I'm very excited about. Didn't You had some folks from Neotext on your show at one point. Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. So folks that, that don't know about about that Neotext, which is the website is neotextcorp.com. Great original fiction and nonfiction, um, a lot of it illustrated. You know, um, so I, I wrote a novella for them that came out that. in June. Yeah, called The Excavator. You can go to the Neotext website, wow. read a sample, then click on over to Amazon and buy it. But it's the it's the first prose I've done since my novel Imaginalis came out, and that's about ten years ago. So I'm very excited about it, and so I want to get the word out about that. If you like oh, my work, if you enjoy my work, and you've never read my prose. You can check it out. So go to Neotext for a, a free sample, and then and then go buy it. And these are very reasonably priced. I, I really. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, the ebook is like a buck. But they also you you go, can, and if you and if you don't like ebooks, they also have uh, hard, a, hard, a hard print book. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. No, it's a, so, honestly, it is a great company, and I'm always happy to talk about that. I've had uh, many writers, as you say, from a nonfiction standpoint. Chloe Maval mm-hmm. uh, has come on, and uh, I think she's great. Great essayist about. Pop yeah, she, yeah, I've, I've read some of her stuff. She's great, mm-hmm. and uh, and also, all right, damn it, real deep voice, uh, Marvel writer, young guy, Wolverine. Come on, everybody, shame on me. I can't believe I'm not remembering his as name. As soon as we're he, done, you'll remember. Uh, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Okay. Anyway, That's, it's a, it's a yeah. supernatural thriller called The awesome. Excavator. I'm working on another one for them right now. Cool. Yeah, that will should be out next year. So it's always fun to to go off and do prose and 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 you know talk about you know forget full script, talk about being in control of your materials, you know, um, it's great. Well, Mark, let's now wait a year for the next conversation. Let's make sure we get together, uh, either for the November Spider-Man stuff or, or the Neotex thing, whenever that comes out. Right. right. And, and also as these, uh, wonderful stories start coming out, uh, from uh, so the, the kicks, the Kickstarter will be, um, will yeah, be launching in early October. We don't have the date completely re- defined okay. yet, but it'll be, you know, Keep following me on Twitter and go to Spellbound and you'll get that information. And uh, as I said, you know, all this work, all these years, this is one of the most exciting things I, I've ever done. And as you know, these Kickstarters are a roll of the dice. Sure. And you, and you need support. So people that if, if, if you like my work, if you've appreciated my work, then please come along with us on this journey. Because the goal is to continue all four of these series. Did I, did I mention the voting part of this? I don't Please, think I no, did. you did not. No. Oh, so here, so anyone that 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 comes along and supports all four of the books, or buy or buys the collection that had, contains all four, gets to vote on which is the first one that will continue. So you read all four books, and you might say, "I want Godsend to continue," and that's and you you get to vote on that. Or people might decide, "Hey, we want to see chapter two of all four of them." We'll do another. We'll do another. You know, we'll do number two okay. across the board in another collection. But that's a fun aspect of this that, that the the audience will get to participate in the decision about what comes next. That sounds great, man. Well, uh, you know, follow Mark on uh, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. I'm sure. Give us all your handles on uh, social media, Mark. I think it's all uh, 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 Twitter. It's at JMD Mateus. Facebook is the same thing. Now, Instagram, you got to be careful. 
because there's some guy out there that keeps popping up pretending to be me. Ah, I don't know why. Jesus. Don't you have better things to do with your life? You no know what I mean? shit. So oh, on Lord. Instagram, it's jm.dematteis. Except no substitutes. Indeed. The substitutes, the substitutes are not me. And every once in a while he pops up and someone will see it or my daughter will call me and say, oh. And then he gets reported and he disappears for a while. Crazy. I'm sorry so, to hear um, that. Yeah. yeah. And my yeah. website is jamdematteis.com. So all those places. Twitter is my main is my my main squeeze in social media. I'm with you, man. Uh, yeah. a, a new writing uh, course coming up? Not not at the moment. No, I, I, okay. I, I, I'm really busy right now and I need the time sure. and the space to get that. But I do still sure. have, for anyone that's interested, I do my story consulting. If you go to my website and go to the story consult- consultation section, I work one-on-one with writers. So, so someone has a comic book miniseries or a piece of fiction or a screenplay or something, I read the material, we get on Skype, we discuss, we dissect, and we work together to help them shape their story. Mark, that is so great to hear because truly I have encountered uh, – viewers when i'm doing an interview go hey so and so you know can you can you read my 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 book well that's a professional question and, and you should be paid for your time and it right. really is a professional service and it's and i love doing it i love doing it because it's just to work with someone one-on-one and take them from the sort of this unformed beginning uh to to the end product and watch them grow and evolve as a writer and inevitably i'm learning as i'm teaching you know so it's really so just go to my website and look under story consultation if you have any interest in that and i think i've covered all the plugs for tonight okay (laughs) Uh, a quick uh thank you from caesar of rome uh for creating torah and nort such fun characters you know torah has a great episode in harley quinn oh really and has a very interesting hookup. And if there's any uh, possibility, I guess she's I'll have to check this out. Yeah, she's definitely R-rated. And also, God, I love what uh, Tom King and Greg Smallwood are doing with Tora in their Human Target series. I don't know if you're aware of that. I've heard about it. I haven't read it though. You know, I would imagine for you, it's it's almost like seeing you an old girlfriend with a new boyfriend or something like that. Where, or maybe I, it's I, not. I don't know. You're feeling you know, it's it's just sort of you just sort of move you know, move on, and yet you know. It is. It's it's like family. It's sort of like I guess it is if you think about it. It's like, well, that's just another actor pretending to be my father. That's not my father. But at the same time, I've I've heard I've heard you know I've heard great things about this. The series. whole story, obviously, yeah. yeah. I mean the the suspects and the I mean it you know someone is poisoned the human target. A very DOA kind of plot uh-huh, line. Uh-huh. And, oh, that's and great. he's and he's going through the the Bwahaha Justice League. Oh, that's fantastic. That's and fantastic. and yeah, it's great. But yeah, Torah is really. Um, She's not a femme fatale, but she definitely is like the girlfriend. And maybe she'll turn. I have no idea how how this is all going to work out. But also, uh, Beatrice just finally started making her appearances in the story as well. Oh, great! Oh, but yeah, it's great. Have to check this out then. Yeah, you know, if you again, if you can handle uh, someone else playing with your. Oh toys, yeah, you know, I mean, you know. we go back to what we we're saying about the shared universe. Yes. You know, they're yes. not your characters. I'm hip. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? They're your characters oh. while you're playing with them, and you will always have that connection and that affection. And Keith and I always say, you know, our version of those characters exist in their own universe anyway. So the other versions that you see are someone else creating their version, their universe out of those characters. But also um, even uh, seeing, and again, we all love Kevin McGuire and what he did with the characters and the others that, that collaborated with you. That said, uh, Greg Smallwood is really bringing this wonderful Robert McGinnis, uh, paperback cover. Yeah, I've seen some of the art. It's really, really striking. Yeah. Wow. 
and really, I mean, I've always had a crush on Tora. She's and with apologies to gift uh, to McGuire, she's never been lovelier. I mean, really, it's insane. Well, well, I wish you both the best, John. I know I'm like uh, Andrews and Laura, enjoying the picture too much. Like, all right, I forget who it now. was. Some friend of mine who was telling me that when he was like 12. He like was in love with Crystal from the Inhumans. That was the woman that he lusted after. No, not like some real, not a girl from school, not some movie star. It was Crystal from the Inhumans. Yeah. Well, Alex told me along with Gary Conway being his Mister Fantastic, uh, Deanna Lund, who was the redhead in uh, Land of the Giants, is his Sue Storm. So and he's it's really like, going sixties on this thing. That's great. You know, I get it. I so get it. It's fantastic. So, well, Mark, as always, man, uh, you know, thank you. And even Henry says, thanks for coming on. We're balloon answering our, their questions. It's a pleasure. Like, always a pleasure, John. You know it, man. I feel the same way. Well, Friday, we're taking a day off. But, man, next week's going to be really busy. I'm talking to uh, Brad Meltzer and Scott Snyder, among others, next week. It's going to be a full week on War Balloon. I hope you'll join us. 